conspiracy, what do you believe? Welcome back to Conspiracies, What Do You Believe? we like to thank you for listening to all of our past episodes and hope you stay with us for our current and future episodes. This one here, some of you might have heard of, it's about the Skull and Bones. This is episode 17. The Skull and Bones, aka The Order, Order 332 and the Brotherhood of Death, was supposed to be the most famous secret society in America. It is an underground, undergraduate, senior, student, secret society at the Yale University. The members are known for its powerful alumni and conspiracy theories. The purpose of the society is to help members reach political prominence. Similar to the Masons, but more exclusive, there are others who believe they have more villainous aspirations. Now you have to attend Yale to get in, or do they let others? You have to go to Yale and be tapped. The nickname of the society is Bones. Members are known as Bonesmen, members of the Order or Initiates to the Order. The Skull and Bones Secret Society was founded in 1832 by William Huntington Russell and Alfonso Taft. Russell was a valedictorian but didn't get into the most secret societies on campus at his time. So Russell and Taft started the Skull and Bones. Interesting fact! Skull wasn't originally spelled S-C-U-L-L. So I gather over the years they just changed it to Skull when people said Skull and Bones? That could be. The Russell Trust was organized by Russell and Gilman. It owns the Skull and Bones real estate. It oversees the memberships and the assets. It also owns and manages a 40-acre retreat, which is now a dump. They, I guess they just let it go. Probably just stopped on the retreats and just never yeah because you know how you start something and yeah over time it just goes away people's interests change over the generations yeah the tomb is what their hall is called it is on the campus at yale the building was built in three sections the first wing was built in 1856 the second one was in 1903 and then the third in 1912 which had neo-gothic towers added to the rear garden that is where the meetings are held. The address to the tomb is 64 High Street, New Haven, Connecticut. If anyone so, wants to go and see it. So, basically, the well, the group that runs Yale just lets this happen, like they know all the buildings going on, or uh, maybe what? they know, maybe they don't, maybe they just think it's another. Or maybe some of the ones running it now are past or members and let it go. Yeah, could be. Okay. For the membership, the Skull and Bones turns out some of the world's most powerful people, but to get in the members must be tapped. And they have what's called Tap Day, and that's when the Skull and Bones select new members from the outgoing junior class. This happens around springtime. No, mem no women were allowed as members until in the early 1900s. See, that's just terrible. On Tap Day, the Skull and Bones choose 15 men and women of the junior class to join. They tap who they want or who as they see as campus leaders and notable figures in the power elite. The qualifications for membership is they don't really know because of its secrecy. Originally it was almost exclusively white Protestant men. It was very exclusive. 
more so than the university which was very strict. Some Catholics got in because of being tapped for sports. The class of 1938 had its first Jewish member, Al Hesburgh, because of football. The class of 1950 tapped the first African-American, Levi Jackson. He turned it down. In 1960, it became co-ed. In 1991, seven women were tapped for the class of 1992. It's funny that that guy turned it down because usually nobody turns down anything. Yeah, but... Maybe he just didn't think they were right. Well, maybe, like, since it was back then, him being black and, like, this white group wanted him to join, maybe he thought they were up to something, kind of like maybe a Ku Klux Klan type deal or something. It could have been. Well, the membership wasn't kept secret until the 1970s, but then the meetings and the practices were. So, in other words, you had, everybody knew who the members were, but you didn't know what they were doing. Yep. Well, then in, in 1985, an anonymous source leaked members' names to, the, to Anthony C. Sutton. He kept it secret for 15 years because he thought the person who leaked it would be found out. So, up until the 70s, everybody knew who was in the in the society. And then after after that, the they... 70s, it became secret, and you didn't know what the meetings and practices were. So this guy kept the list he had secret for 15 years. Because he didn't want his, the person who leaked it to him to be found out. Yeah, but how is he going to know it was him? So what they do, wait until the guy died and then run it out or something? I don't know. Maybe he just held it for so long until he felt that if he releases it, the people who were you know, around or whatever, wouldn't know who did it then. Some of the members are, well, the members are given nicknames, many of which come from literature and mythology. The following is a list of the most powerful members of the Skull and Bones. 1. William Howard Taft, class of 1878, and he was the 27th president of the United States and the first bonesman to become president. He was the son of the founder. 2. Amos Alonzo Stagg, class of 1888, Yale's all-time greatest football player, the only man to be elected into the Pro Football and Pro Basketball Halls of Fame, and most gifted athlete in Yale's history. So then what are they doing for that? They just tagged him because he was great right. in sports. He, they, most likely he was one of the ones that was really good in sports, and then he set records, and then went on to be successful sportsman in basketball and football. I mean... 3. William Averill Harriman, class of 1913. He was the governor of New York, presidential candidate, and inherited the largest fortune in U.S. history when he graduated from his father, who was a railroad baron. His nickname was Thor. Number 4. Archibald McLush, class of 1915. He was a poet who won three Pulitzer Prizes. Father was a dry goods leader from Illinois, and his mother was a college professor. Number five, Prescott Bush, class of 1916, father of George H.W. Bush and grandfather of George W. Bush. He was a senator of Connecticut and supposed to have been one among others who dug up Geronimo's skull, which is supposed to be in the tomb. Six, Robert Lovett, class of 1918. He was Truman's Secretary of War, an architect of the Cold War. Seven was Henry Luce, Lucci, class of 1920, founder and publisher of Time Magazine, 
first editor of the Yale Daily News called ba Baal, which was an Aramic demon. 8. Potter Stewart, class of 1926, editor of the Yale Law Review, son of a congressman and associate justice of the Supreme Court. 9. McGeorge, Bun McGeorge Bundy, class of 1940, one of J JFK's wise men, nicknamed was Odin. Okay, what are the wise men? Probably one of his like like secret confidants or whatever, people that he trusted more than anybody else. Hmm. 10. Jorber, George Herbert Walker Bush, class of 1948, second bonesman to become President of the United States. He was a fighter pilot in World War II. He was also the director of the CIA and an ambassador to China. 11. William F. Buckley Jr., class of 1950. He was American public intellect, conservative author, founded the National Review, and he hosted the show Firing Line. Number 12 was John Kerry, class of 1966. He was the Massachusetts Senator and Presidential Candidate. 13. Was George W. Bush, class of 1968, was on the cheerleading team at Yale, third bonesman to be President of the United States. 14. Stephen A. Schwartzman, class of 1969, founder of Blackstone Investments, made $1 million a day for the fiscal year ending in December 2006. How can you make a million dollars a day? that would be. Oh my gosh. Uh, 15 was Austin Gooseby, class of 1991. He was an econ economist, chairman of Obama's Council of Economics Advisors, one of the youngest chairmen of the Council of Economics and youngest advisor in the history of the White House at the age of 41. Some other members of interest, Chauncey Dapier, president of New York Railroad Systems and a senator, Morrison R. Waite, Supreme Court Justice, James Jesus Angleton, Chief of the CIA, Henry Stimson, U.S. Secretary of War from 1940 to 1945, and Frederick W. Smith, founder of FedEx. Wow. I still can't get over the million dollars a day. Yeah, that is a pretty uh, nice high-profile list of people the Skull yeah. and have in it. Presidents, senators, politicians, and successful businessmen. Mm -hmm. The members will not answer any questions about this society. There are only 15 members a year, so at any one time there are 800 living members. So there's only 15 members. It's only like the senior class does yeah. everything. And the conspiracy theories say that some theories range from global war control, control of the CIA, to being a branch of the Illuminati. The initiation ceremony. New members must lay naked in a coffin and tell their entire entire sexual history. They say this fosters deep friendships and loyalty. So basically, you tell anything embarrassing, they got something to hang over you in case you. <laughs> they got lying. something on you then. As stated earlier, another name for the skull and bones is Order Three Twenty Two. So where did the number Three Twenty Two come from? There are two theories. Number one is that. It refers to the death of Demosthenes, who was a Greek philosopher and orator. He died in 322 BC. He is an idol of the society. 
And number two is that it is a chapter of the Bavarian Illuminati formed in 1832. The second two stands for the second chapter, thus 322. Here are some interesting facts about the skull and bones. The coffin initiation, where the person has to lay naked in the coffin to tell their sex history while other members watch, can be pretty embarrassing. They have their, their meeting ceremony. Oh, hold, on, hold on, hold on, real quick. <clears throat> so, okay, back then, you know, most people only, you know, didn't really just go out and, like, have sex all the time. Imagine if members nowadays, they, they probably have to sit there for <laughs> days on end telling every little thing they've done. Yeah, that's funny. Okay, they have their meeting ceremonies and anything else that goes on in the building at Yale, that's called the tomb. There are no windows at the tomb, but it contains a lot of secret rooms. One room is supposed to be for William H. Taft, and another room is for the members of the Nazi regime. Wow. Okay. They are said to be similar to the Thule Society. The belief is similar to the Thule Society that was practiced by Adolf Hitler. They believed in immortality of the soul. They performed the same rituals that Adolf Hitler did. Most are required to swear to keep secrets, the rituals, and rules, and they are to protect the society and its members. The new members is a member for life. So you can't get out of it if you want to. Most likely You're not. You're just stuck. Maybe if you want to get out of it and you do leave, they probably say, yeah, you can go, and then you might never look again. Or if There's you try to succeed in something, they'll stop you. Could be. The Oath of Absolution. Society is the number one priority. Country, religion, family, and all other things are second to the society. They take an oath to be faithful to the society and bring about a one world order. The society is number one priority. They cannot tell anyone what happens behind the closed doors. In 1918, Prescott Bush and others stole Geronimo's skull. He was an Apache and he was a main figure in the Apache War. The worshipping of the goddess Eulogia in 322 BC, a Greek orator Demosthenes and the goddess Eulogia died. They, were to, they went to heaven, but in 1832, goddess Eulogia came down to live in the tomb. When the skull and bones was founded, they worshipped her. The requirements for worshipping Eulogia is to steal things of value and bring them to her as offerings. Among the offerings are numerous famous skulls. They are the skulls of Pancho Villa, Che Guerrero, and Geronimo. They also sang satanic songs to her. They met two times a week. They called themselves the Knights of Eulogia. They still worship her today. So basically, you got, I wonder how much... The stuff in there in the tomb is worse now. I seen this one show one time where it was supposed to be some kind of uh, secret society on a campus, and these people got into the rooms in there, and there was like all kinds of treasures and stuff. And so at the end of the end of the movie, they took everything out and returned it to the rightful owners. So you think that came from the stolen bill? Could be, or that. Or somebody could have just made that up, trying to defame the skull and bones, and they're just coddling. Could be masturbation and satanic rituals. Pornography is part of their ritual. Doesn't sound oh, too this bad. is so stupid. Members have to masturbate in a coffin in front of the other members, swear allegiance to the devil while holding a skull. 
This is supposed to symbolize rebirth. Hitler believed he was born again by this. This is an, is like an occult practice. Yeah, it, it is an occult. The goal of the society is to rule the world. A new world order. That was kind of like a form of Nazism. That's what they wanted to do. Yeah. Is the skull and bones part of the Illuminati? Many bonesmen are in the Illuminati, but many believe the Illuminati doesn't exist. So are the Skull and Bones a secret society? Are they with the Illuminati? You've heard the information. What do you believe? <laughs>